Awesome. Thank you, Hayes. Thank you, team. And again, good morning, church. Glad that you are here. Hey, grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21, which is where we're going to be this morning. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21, the last verses of Scripture. This is the last book of the Bible, last verses. So if you get to the maps, you went too far. Go back. And you want to find yourself in Revelation chapter 22, thank you buddy, uh, verses 20 uh, and 21, last two verses of scriptures where we'll be in just a moment. Uh, we are kicking off our Advent season, and man, we are excited to be able to jump in. In fact, how many of you are excited about Christmas finally being here? Anybody excited? Yes, yes? Most of you, the rest of you, get with the program. Come on, people, we need some Christmas, do we not? Man, I was excited when we finally started seeing all the, all the decorations going up. People couldn't even get through Thanksgiving. Had to start early. Man, we had to put those things all up. Man, the Christmas music's been on the radio. Man, it's been nice to go ahead and just dive right on in. I already have my Christmas treats on my counter. I'm very happy about that. Man, it's going to be a good season. Because uh, look, it has been a rough couple years, has it not? We kind of need a little bit of celebration. We need a little bit of joy. And so as we're walking into this month of celebration, man, I think we're, we're ready to say, listen, yeah, bring it all on. Man, we want to experience and enjoy all that the Advent season has to offer us. But I wonder if underneath all that excitement and all the joy and the relief that we're finally in the Advent season, the Christmas season, there's this, this nagging worry that no matter how much we celebrate and how many traditions we have and how many things that we get to do, is it going to be enough to help us deal with what we've been through? Is there enough hot chocolate in the world to actually help heal what we've been through? Because we've been through a lot. It has been a chaotic couple of years. Listen, 2020 was nuts, but 2021 was going to be better, right? We didn't get six days into it before it all went wonky. Listen, it was crazy. 21 really wasn't any better. It was a little bit crazy and weird. We have no idea what's coming. And so while we have this joy in the Advent season, we're all still dealing with what we've been through. And the question is, is there any true joy to be had? Is there real confidence? Is there real healing that can happen during the Advent season? And that answer is yes. And you're going to see that as we dive in, looking at these last couple verses of Scripture. Uh, our theme for Advent this year is O Come. And that's a phrase that you hear a lot during the Christmas season. We sing it in a lot of our Christmas carols. Uh, we sing, uh, O Come, All Ye Faithful. You might say, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Or you might have heard it in the hymn we just sung of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And this is actually my favorite Christmas carol. I love it. Uh, there are only a few perks of being pastor, but one is I get to tell them to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel every year. I don't get to pick all of them, but I get to say, hey, please sing this hymn. I love it. It may not be yours. It's a little bit of a weird pick for favorite Christmas carol. Because it doesn't have the boisterous strains of a, a joy to the world or kind of the crescendo of a oh holy night. But right here in this first verse, you see it. You see the encouragement towards joy. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel will come to thee, O Israel. We are to have joy in the Christmas season. But this carol is all wrapped up in a minor key. While you have this command, this invitation to enjoy the coming of Christ, 
we see words like ransom captive Israel and mourns in lonely exile here. And I appreciate that because it's honest. It accurately reflects what Christmas is really like. We are truly excited. There is true joy. And yet, we all still mourn in lonely exile here. We're all still struggling. We're all still suffering. And instead of trying to pick one of those two things, you can actually hold both of them in this beautiful tension. Every Christmas that we come to is a beautiful tension of this joy that Jesus Christ brings and the longing that we have for the day when all things will finally be made right. Because you and I live in a broken world. We ourselves are broken and things are not fully made right yet. And we need that tension. And to show you that, I want to show you the last couple verses of Scripture. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. You say, Adam, that is an odd pick to start off a Christmas season. Aren't we supposed to be talking about like shepherds and angels and little baby Jesus and stars and stuff? We're going to get to all of that, but... There's a couple verses here that I think are very important for us as we head into Advent. Listen to what Scripture says. Verse 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that's it. That is how recorded Scripture ends. Those are the last words that we have in God's inspired word that he has given to us. This is what he wanted to have ringing in our ears. This is the last echo we get to hear. It's Jesus himself. He is the one who testifies to these things. Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. He gives us this promise. He says, I am coming for you. I am coming soon. This is the last thing he wants us to remember. The last words out of Jesus' mouth, surely I am coming soon. And then John can't help but add on a prayer. He just wants to echo Jesus and he says, amen, come Lord Jesus. It's a cry of hope. It's a cry of expectation. He says, yes, Jesus, that, would you bring yourself now? Would you come now? If you promise to come soon, then Jesus, would you come? Please come, Lord Jesus. It is a cry of expectant hope. And that's a hope that we all need. It's a hope that you can have this Christmas season. So this morning, I want to dive into these words. And more to the point, I want to dive into the person who is speaking them. The writer here of these final words is the Apostle John. This is the same John who walked with Jesus, chosen by Jesus, one of the 12 apostles. He is the author of the Gospel of John, the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and now here, the Revelation. He has had an incredibly interesting life and a perspective that I think you and I in some ways can truly relate to. But to understand why he would have this cry come out of him saying, come, Lord Jesus. I wonder if we can walk a few miles in his shoes this morning. Think about John's life. John grew up in Judea as a Jewish boy. And like all Jewish boys, he would have been taught the scriptures. He would have learned about Yahweh, the one true God, the God who had made everything. 
What he and his family and all of his people believed is that there was one God who made it all, one God who was in control, one God who was the only true God out of all the other false gods. And John believed that, but it didn't seem that way to him because all of John's life he had lived under occupation. His entire life he had lived under Roman rule. While his people believed that God was in control, it kind of looked like the Romans were in control. They had hundreds of gods, and they seemed to be doing well. They seemed to be conquering the world. Their gods apparently seemed to be doing all right. We believe in the one true God, but why then have I lived my whole life under Roman occupation? And then you add to that fact that the Lord just hadn't spoken in a while. It had been 400 years since a prophet had arisen. 400 years since God had spoken to his people. Let that number sink in for just a second. That number is hard to grasp. That is much longer by a century than the entire lifespan of the United States of America. Way longer than our entire nation's existence. It had been that long and longer since the Lord had spoken definitively to his people through a prophet. And after 400 years of silence, a failed revolution, and 20 years and more of, for John of watching the Romans rule everything, you can imagine that there were some questions. Has God forgotten us? Does God care about us? Has he abandoned us? Have we done too much? Have we failed too often? Has he moved on to some other group like the Romans, or does God still care? Is he even there? Does God even exist? He had to ask. But he persisted in his faith. You see, inside the scriptures, there were prophecies. Prophecies about a Messiah. A Messiah who would come and make all things right. A Messiah who would come and, and put Israel back on top. A Messiah who would come and, and reorder the world, conquering all evil and all the other nations and, and ruling from Jerusalem. They believed that this Messiah would come. If God would just send the Messiah, that everything would be okay. We just need to wait a little bit longer for the Messiah. And so wait they did. And the waiting paid off. One day, John out fishing with his father and his brother, meets the Messiah. Jesus Christ comes to him, calls him off of his boat and says, come follow me. And thus begins a three-year journey of John following the Messiah. John sees Jesus fulfilling his ministry. He hears the Sermon on the Mount. He hears all of the teaching of Jesus and then he watches as he heals. He does miracles he can heal the lame, open the eyes of the blind. He can raise the dead. He can cast out demons with a word. It's amazing. It's incredible. He is here with the Messiah. He had to have been thinking, I'm so glad I waited. I'm so glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I believed and I did not waver. Look, he's here. He's finally here to make everything right. He's finally here to put us back on top. God has sent his Messiah and it was all going great until Jesus died. And that was not a part of the plan. Jesus had said some things about it, but surely he didn't mean it until he did. He was dead. And John endured those three horrible days until something even greater happened. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. 
He had conquered death itself. This is better than he expected. This is unbelievable. I didn't even see that coming. All I needed was for him to kick out the Romans, to put things right. But if he can conquer death, the Romans don't stand a chance. If he can conquer death itself, this is better than I could ever have imagined. Jesus, finally, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. And so a few days after the resurrection, Jesus gathers his apostles. And look what happens. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, that's the disciples, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's their question. Lord, at this time, can we finally get on with it? At this time, can you finally put Israel back on top? Can you put Israel back on the map? Can you do what we always expected you to do? Will you finally return the kingdom to Israel? To which Jesus replies, It's not for you to know the times or the season that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Wait, what? What? Wait? I gotta wait again? We waited my whole life for you. We've been waiting 400 years for you and you're leaving again? I thought now you were gonna restore the kingdom. I thought now you were gonna put everything right and instead of doing exactly what they expected, Jesus leaves and they have to wait again. But they don't have to wait for long. They will wait in Jerusalem for a number of weeks. But John was there in that upper room. John was there the day that the Spirit fell. Remember verse 8? Go back to verse what Jesus said. One more back. It says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He had been in that upper room, but even before that, Jesus had, or John had been there when the Spirit fell on Jesus. He had seen the Holy Spirit fall on Jesus, but now the Holy Spirit was falling on him. The tongue of fire comes and rests on his face. The Holy Spirit fills him. And now it's John who is preaching the gospel. It is John who is taking the word out into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit, Christ himself living in him, he will now faithfully go out and preach the gospel. And he will do this for the next 50 years. John most likely spent 20 some odd years before he met Jesus. He spends three physically following Jesus. He will spend 50 and more serving Jesus. The vast majority of his life is spent serving Jesus after the resurrection. He plants churches, he writes letters, he pastors. But as the years go on, things change. Friends fall. People die. Until by the time he's writing the Revelation, Paul finds himself 
on an island called Patmos. He's been exiled there. Exile was a common form of Roman punishment. When they didn't want to kill you, they would exile you. Uh, The Romans are still in power, by the way, 50 years later. And so they put John on Patmos. Imagine Patmos kind of like... um, Kind of like Alcatraz, only larger and more natural. It was an island, but this is no pleasure island. John would not have been alone on Patmos, but it would have been barren and stark and mean. And he was there with all the other exiles, all the other condemned criminals. And he's old. At this point, John is pushing 80 He's an old man who has faithfully served Jesus for decades. And you got to wonder after 50 years if the questions are starting to creep in again. So is Jesus going to come back? Is Jesus going to return? Is this really what he means for me to do? Because he's still suffering. He knows Jesus Christ. He abides in Jesus Christ. He is filled in Jesus Christ. But this isn't easy. And so one day, he decides to do his own worship service. There is no church on Patmos. And so he decides to worship by himself. This was his common practice every Sunday. But this Sunday is different because there's a visitor at church. Jesus Christ shows up for his worship service. He has a vision of Jesus himself. And Jesus comes, reveals himself to John and says, John, come up here. I want to show you the end. And that's what he have recorded all throughout the revelation. And look, I don't think John fully understood all of the imagery any more than we do, but he got the gist of the story. He sees the final assault of Satan. He sees that battle fall to Satan. He sees Satan and all of his minions being cast into the lake of fire. He sees all the saints being redeemed, raised from the dead. He sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. He sees the new heavens and the new earth, the place where there's gonna be no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more cancer, no more evil anymore. Jesus Christ has finally conquered and he's gonna take all his people to the a place where they will live in eternal life with him forevermore. John sees all of this. And as the vision begins to fade and Jesus begins to recede and John goes back to his writing table and works the arthritis out of his hand as he finally gets down to the last lines of the letter. When he writes down the final words, surely I am coming soon. He cannot help because the cry comes out of him. Then amen, come Lord Jesus. Can you please come soon? Because this is hard. Will you please come, Lord Jesus? Jesus will repeat this prayer three times, this this promise three times in the last chapter of Revelation. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. He means for it to echo for us. He means for it to be something we remember And he means for John's cry to come out of us too. For us to join in with him and say, amen, come Lord Jesus. This brings us back to us. Let me ask you again, how are you really feeling walking into Christmas season? How are you truly feeling walking into Christmas? Because for some of us, we're not doing okay. If you watch the news at all in the past couple of days, you heard the word 
Omicron for the first time. A new variant's been found, and we have no idea what it's going to do. And all the fears from Delta, the UK variant, or even COVID for the very first time are starting to swirl again because we don't know. We don't know what that means any more than we knew what it meant the first couple rounds that we had something like this. Some of you just celebrated a Thanksgiving without someone you loved at the table for the very first time because we've lost people. Some of you are about to celebrate a Christmas without a loved one for the very first time. And that's hard. And it's not something we enjoy. You see, just like John, we still find ourselves in the midst of the suffering. We have Jesus. We abide in Jesus. We are filled with the spirit of Jesus. And yet we still suffer. Which is why we need these verses. Which is why we need what John says to us. Because as we come to Christmas... He is a reminder that Jesus Christ has come, that there is a settled hope. There's a place we can put our hope that is solid and secure. But we don't simply look back. We also look forward to the time when Jesus Christ will come again. Jesus Christ had come. He has come. It's the advent. He has already come to us, but he also will come again. Behold, I am coming soon. And you and I at Christmas don't simply need to be grateful for the fact that he's come. We need to have the hope in us that says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Because only there can you find a hope that can sustain you in the midst of the very real world. Only there can you actually rejoice, rejoice when you mourn in lonely exile here. It's when we recognize that he has come and he will come again. So a couple of things to point out. First off, that Jesus Christ has come. There is reason to celebrate at Christmas, is there not? What we are celebrating at Christmas is that Jesus Christ has come. That was an open question for John in the early part of his life. But when Jesus Christ came, when the Messiah came, the question has been definitively answered. It is an historical fact. Jesus Christ has come. And he hasn't simply come. Jesus Christ lived, he died, and he rose again. If you have the question in your heart, has God abandoned me? Has he forgotten about me? Have I sinned too much? Then please look back at Christmas and recognize you can have joy. Why? Because Jesus Christ has come. And he didn't simply come to a few of us or to the best of us or to a certain people group. He says, no, I have come for the entire world. No need to worry as to whether you're on the naughty list or the nice list. Spoiler alert, you're all on the naughty list. We all are. We've never not been on the naughty list. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. But Jesus said, I didn't come to the best and the brightest. I came for sinners. I came for people who can't save themselves. Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. It has already been done. You don't ever have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about losing it. It is a settled fact. Jesus Christ has come and that gives us reason to celebrate, does it not? We have salvation in Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to Christmas, let's celebrate. Man, let's just blow out the celebrations. Enjoy the celebrations. It ought to be a joyful season. Joy to the world. Enjoy the celebrations. 
And look, I normally don't have to encourage people to do that. I think we're already doing that. We're leaning in. We says, Adam, that sounds great. I'm doing that more, more of everything. Listen, I want that. More food, more songs, more presents, more traditions, more, more, more family, more, more, more things, more, more, more treats, more, 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 more all of that. I want, I want all the Christmas. Give me all of the things that come with Christmas. And please hear me when I say this. I am for all of that. All of it. Drink it in. Enjoy have a blast. We ought to rejoice at Christmas. But here's my question. Do we rejoice and celebrate because Jesus Christ has come? Or are we just celebrating the celebrations? When it comes to Christmas, are we celebrating because Jesus Christ has come? Or are we just celebrating the celebrations? Because for some of us, it's just about the celebrations. I just want more food. I, I want more fun. I want more parties. I want more songs. I want more presents. I want more things. I want my family to come back and we're going to have this certain experience in a certain place and it's going to be just like I remember it and we're going to do this thing. I want, I want all of those things in the vain hope that if I just got all of these things, it would make everything all right. That if I just got this present, it would make everything all right. If my family would just come back around this table, it would make everything all right. If I could just go and have this experience again, it would make everything all right. If I can just go and, and watch these special movies and I can have this special meal and I can have this, go to the special party, if I just had it exactly like I wanted, if I could have this celebration, it would make everything all right. It's almost like we're trying to wring happiness out of the holiday because the celebrations can give you that joy, right? No. And we all know that. Because in the same way that Christmas comes every year, you know what comes after Christmas? January. And January is terrible. <laughs> Isn't it? I hate January. You know what comes in January? Debt. And extra pounds. And darkness. And that's when my seasonal depression kicks in. Because look, if you're trying to get your happiness out of all the stuff, there's a wicked backside to that. And it doesn't actually bring joy. It just actually leads you into more despair. It gives you less hope, not more, unless you have a true reason to celebrate. The celebrations of the season, there's nothing wrong with the celebrations as long as they stem from this glorious fact that Jesus Christ has come. He's come. Jesus Christ is here. Emmanuel shall come to thee. Oh, Israel, it's God with us. He's already here. He came 2,000 years ago. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he lives in you. The same spirit that indwelled John now indwells you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's here and he's not going anywhere. We have reason to celebrate and rejoice because Jesus Christ has come. It's the only thing that can give you true, lasting joy in the midst of this season. Furthermore, it's a reminder that God keeps his promises. When you recognize that this is what God has done, it begins to turn you forward and recognize that if God keeps that promise, then he can keep all his promises. Think about all those prophecies and scriptures throughout the Old Testament. Prophecies that held on to promises that a Messiah would come. God promised that he would come and he fulfilled those promises. Maybe not how John expected and not on the timetable that anyone expected, but he fulfilled the promises. 
When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. Which means if Jesus gives us a promise and says, I am coming soon, he's going to fulfill it. You can look back and see his track record. And when God makes a promise, he does what he says he's going to do. You can be confident. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to to freak out about it. You can be confident and assured of your future because Jesus Christ has given us his promise. Behold, I am coming soon. You can bank on it. Those things are rare in this world, are they not? Case in point, all of us in Alabama lived through the Iron Bowl last night. (laughs) Unless you're a transplant who came here from some other state, the rest of us freaked out for about three and a half hours last night. And it did not matter which team you were rooting for. Because this thing came down to the wire in four overtimes. Everybody is going nuts. Do you know why? Because this thing could go either way. And we all knew it. It didn't matter which team you were rooting for. This thing was 50-50. It was nerve-wracking. The whole state was on edge. Why? Because you didn't know what was going to happen. When Jesus Christ gives you a promise, it's not nerve-wracking. It's not something you got to worry about. It's not something you have to sit there and I just hope it turns out the way I want it to. You can be absolutely confident and assured that you have a future because the same Christ who came is the Christ who says, behold, I am coming soon. You can take it to the bank. You can have confidence. You can stand on it. You can rejoice even in lonely exile here. Why? Because God fulfills his promises. But what is that promise? Well, the second thing he says is this. Not only has Jesus Christ come, Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. See, this is where we catch up with John. A lot of times we read about these these gospel writers and we say, well, I didn't get to walk with Jesus. I, I don't understand fully their experience, but for 50 years and more in John's life, he lived like one of us. Not seeing Jesus with his eyes, but being filled with his spirit and simply faithfully walking with a promise that one day Jesus would come soon. That's where we live. And look, we need this confidence to deal with the suffering of the present, do we not? We need to know that Jesus is coming back, that there's a a future for us. Don't you understand that that if, if Jesus really is coming back, here's what that means for us. Our suffering has an end. It's not forever. It's not permanent. Look, John had to deal with some rough things. As you get up in age, bad things start to happen. Um, Your body stops working the way that you want it to. And then you begin to lose people. But John didn't simply lose people to old age. Most of his friends were murdered. John, his brother, or James's brother, was murdered. Peter was murdered. I don't even know if he knows what happened to all the other apostles. Many of them will be murdered, and now he just finds himself alone on an island. The suffering is very real for him. And I don't know what your suffering is like. You may not have exactly had John's experience But like we said, it's hard when the tragedies keep piling up. 
It's hard when it's diagnosis upon diagnosis. It's hard when you have to deal with loss after loss. It's hard when the years just pile up and we begin to wonder, has he forgotten about me? Have I just sinned too much? Is he really in control? And this is where Jesus wants to point you back to the fact that he has come and he wants to give you a promise. A promise where he says, I am coming soon. This season that you live in is temporary. See, anytime you and I go through suffering, Satan's gonna be your elbow in a moment. He's gonna tell you it's never gonna get any better. It's never gonna get any better. It's only gonna get worse. That thing that happened, is gonna happen again. Only worse the next time. This thing that's already happening, more of it's going to happen. You might as well give up. Just give up on God. Give in to the sin. Give in to the temptation. You might as well give up because it'll never get any better. And to that, Jesus Christ says, behold, I am coming soon. This season is temporary. Your suffering will not last forever. You see, there were other things echoing in John's mind. Look what he wrote in John chapter 14, verses 18 and 19. Same author, different book. But on the night before the crucifixion, he remembered that Jesus said this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you behind. You are my beloved. I gave my very life for you. And so, yes, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes, in this world, you will mourn in lonely exile here. But you can rejoice. Why? Because I am coming soon. We can say, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Why? Because Jesus taught us to. He says, don't you understand? I will not leave you behind. And so as we face struggles, I got no idea what's going to happen in 22. Nobody knows what's going to happen. All I know is, is that regardless of what happens in our future, even if there is more suffering involved, this season is temporary, but there's coming a day where Jesus Christ takes us back to be where he is, where there is no crying, no mourning, no pain, no death forevermore. We get to sit at a table with him and with all of our brothers and sisters, we get to live in the world in the way it was always meant to be. This is what Jesus is offering to us. It's what he's preparing for us. And so while we mourn in exile here, we can confidently hope that the Christ who has come is the Christ who will come, which means here in the present, we can stand secure. We can actually Rejoice even in the midst of pain because our Christ is coming soon. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope? Where's your hope this Christmas? It's an honest question. Where's your hope? We're all hoping for something. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just hoping everything works out. I'm just kind of hoping we don't have any more problems with the virus. I'm just kind of hoping that it's not going to happen. Listen, don't, don't trust virus numbers. I don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. If you're trusting in the future as if you know what's going to happen, you are bound to be disappointed as we've been disappointed for years. Will we not? Don't trust that stock market. Well, Adam, if just the market will correct or the market will do these things, man, as long as my my portfolio is doing well, I'm going to be fine. Stock market has been doing great this year till Friday. And then it wasn't so great, was it? You're putting your hope in those numbers. It ain't going to help you. 
Adam, if I could just get my family back together, if I could get them all around a table, if we could have this, this experience like we used to have, if I can just have them all, just, just my family. I don't know about anybody else. If I can just get my family under one roof and we do this one thing, then everything will be fine. I just want everybody to be there. But, hey, we can't control anybody. And it doesn't matter if you get those people there today. They're different than they were before. Hindsight may be 2020. Nostalgia never is. We can't hearken back to days gone by. Today is the way it used to be. Instead, we got to look forward to what's coming, to the better days that are coming, to the glory that is coming. Don't put your hope in yourself. Don't put your hope in your health. Don't put your hope in other people. Listen, all these things are fine. They're blessings when God provides them, but you can't put any hope in this world. I can't put any hope in myself. If you keep trying to fix this on your own or fix it through some other external circumstance, you will inevitably find yourself disappointed and to despair. But when I put my hope in Jesus Christ, who has come and who is coming again, I will never be disappointed. I can have a confidence and assurance and even a joy in the midst of, of this broken world that we live in, that is the joy and the hope of Advent. Where's your hope? Where's your hope? What if this season we chose to be intentional? Remember, enjoy the season. Enjoy all the things that come with the season. But what if we chose to be intentional? To let our joy in all of these things stem from the fact that Christ has come and our Christ is coming again. That I have been saved and I will be saved fully when Jesus Christ comes again. That I have been forgiven and loved and I will never not be forgiven and loved. I have been adopted. I will not be left out. He will not leave me as an orphan. What if we put our hope in the fact that Jesus Christ has come and he will come again so we join with John in saying, Amen, come Lord Jesus. What if that was our hope this season? So do this one. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. We're going to spend some time in worship. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, can I just ask you to really think about that? Where's your hope? Where's your hope? It may very well be that for some of you in the room, you've, you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ. He said, Adam, I don't, I don't understand all this. I come to church every now and then and I, I try it out every now and then. It just doesn't seem to, to work out for me. Well, religion doesn't actually help us. Jesus Christ can. A relationship with Jesus Christ can. Traditions can't help us, but a Savior who's died for your sins, who knows you and made you and loved you and is reaching out for you, he can what if today, for some of you, for the very first time, if you sense in your heart that you've never truly trusted Jesus Christ, could you open up your heart to this beautiful, glorious truth that though we don't deserve it, Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He died on a cross for you. He lives even now and is offering a transformed life to you. It doesn't come through your own effort. It doesn't come through your own control. It doesn't come through the, the trappings of this world. It simply comes through him. What if today you put your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time? Just tell him, say, Jesus, I've trusted in myself too long. I've, I've trusted in all these things of the world for too long, but I choose today to trust you. 
If you will help me, if you will save me. Jesus, I didn't know if you'd come to me. You came to people like John back then. I didn't know you'd come to me. But he's coming to you. He's talking to you. Even right now, put your faith in him. Even right now, put your hope in him. And let Jesus Christ transform you and give you a life that cannot be taken away from you. Let today be the day of salvation for you. But for all my brothers and sisters, for all of us who know Jesus Christ, who abide in him, who have been filled in him, could we just choose this season to let our joy flow from the fact that Jesus Christ has come and is coming again? Don't let the season just kind of carry you along with all the distractions. Just go along with the current of things that we've always done. What if we allowed the Lord to bring joy into all these things by stemming it in the fact that Jesus Christ has come and that very same living Savior is coming again? Let's find our joy in him this season and see what he will do. So Heavenly Father, help us. I don't think we can say that we experience life just like John, but I think we can say that we mourn in lonely exile here. This world is broken. It's busted. We are broken and busted. And Lord, we just can't fix things on our own. But you can. And so would you help us? In the same way that you came and met us 2,000 years ago in the flesh, Lord, would you continue to speak to us on our sojourn here and Lord, take us to the day where we meet you in the air and you build a new heaven and a new earth and we live with you forever. Lord, can you just build in us that cry of amen. Come Lord Jesus. Let that be on our lips as we continue to worship and serve and listen and walk through this Advent season with you. Lord, I want to lift up all my brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are broken, who've dealt with pains large and small, but maybe just the accumulated effects of all of them are just starting to take their toll. Lord, there's not enough celebrations in the world to fix this, but there is hope in you. Would you fill them with your hope? Would you begin to heal them and help them? And Lord, keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.